My name is Melinda Butler. I'm an attorney with Butler Law Firm. The longer I practiced law, the more I recognized the confusion that existed around the rights of parents and grandparents involved in Department of Social Services legal matters. For that reason, I started Facebook Live in November of 2019 and this podcast in October of 2020 called Family Strong to build your family unit through character, integrity, and knowledge for parents and grandparents in the legal issues of the DSS system. This is Thursday afternoon, and I am talking to you today about father's rights or the absence thereof, as the title indicates. So I'm going to go ahead and get started, even though I don't even see anybody on here yet. It's the end of the day, and I am uh, I'm ready to make a dash out the door as soon as I as soon as I possibly can. So um, let me just talk to you about what the uh, the uptick that we see where uh, cases are being brought against a parent who has uh, not even lived in the home with the children. A lot of times it's the father and the father does not even know that the child is his. And then once DSS gets involved, the, um, they're, the, the mother is naming the potential father and then it's it's found out through paternity that the father actually is the child. Normally these situations are, it's a child born out of wedlock, of course, obviously, um, otherwise the husband would be named as a party automatically. So uh, first of all, that's, that's the downfall right off the bat is that it's the child born out of wedlock. So um, that puts the child at a disadvantage automatically to where the father might not get named. But once the SS gets involved, they're supposed to ask for the father's information. If the mother willingly provides that, then they're supposed to automatically name the potential father as a party to the case. Um, In naming the potential father as a party to the case, the question then becomes, um, do we... um, do we seek to place the children with the father or the child with the father? Um, and the, the other question goes, is he really the father? So then DSS wants to request a paternity test. And, um, but now in lieu of the paternity test, if the father knows that he is the father, if he's, if he's positive of that and he does not want a paternity test to show um, DNA and you know, 99.97% probability is what that test can show, um, if he if he does not care about that and he wants to go ahead and claim the paternity and claim that he's the father of the child and the mother agrees that he's the father of the ch- child, then the court can actually adjudicate paternity, adjudication of paternity, which means you can do it without a paternity test. You do not have to have a paternity test if both the mother and the father are agreeing, yes, this is the father of the child. So. In any event, if the father does want a paternity test and comes forward and, and the um, and the child turns out to be confirmed, the paternity is confirmed in the father, then a lot of times DSS is seeking a finding of abuse or neglect on the father, normally neglect, claiming that the father has not been in the child's life, has not supported the child, um, has not had housing for the child, and is not in a position to support the child now. Well, that it kind of begs the question, what duty did the father have to 
for the child. First of all, if the father didn't know that he was the father. Second of all, if there had never been a paternity test of adjudication. So what duty did the father have? And what what how can DSS come in and seek a finding on a father um, that did not have a duty to support the child? So a lot of times they'll come in and say, well, can you take the child now? And daddy's like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of living house to house, got this roommate. I'm not in a position to take the child. DSS says, oh, well, that's a finding on you, finding of neglect. You can't provide your child with um, housing, with adequate housing, with adequate shelter. Um, so we're going to get a finding of neglect on you. Well, that's not really how the statute reads. And in fact, I have this opinion today that I'm going to read to you. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right out the gate, it's an unpublished opinion. Um, so I'm going I'm to talk to you about a dissenting opinion from Justice Lockamy in the unpublished opinion. Um, but let me just say, unpublished opinions are not to be cited for authority. That is the law of our state, that we do not cite unpublished court of appeals or Supreme Court opinions for precedential value to our to our courts for that time to, to persuade our courts to, to go in a certain way. That's why they're unprecedented. That's why they're unpublished. That's why they say um, this opinion has no precedential value. It should not be cited or relied on as precedent in any proceeding except provided by Rule 268B2. So, um, you can't rely on these cases, and I'll tell you, as I searched through um, the database of the past couple years for DSS cases, we have an alarming amount of unpublished opinions dealing with DSS cases. So, uh, the majority of DSS cases that are getting heard on appeal are coming out with opinions that are unpublished that, that can't be relied on. So, we're not, it, it's not... Um, what that means, unpublished, why you can't rely on it, is because it's not true to a form. It's it's a very fact-specific case that the court has its reasons why it does not want that case to be relied on. There's something different about that case than, uh, than the normal, and they don't want the case to be relied on. It's not just because they say, oh, we did all this work, lawyers did all this work, parents went through all this, and we just, we just don't want... Uh, to publish this. No, there's a reason for it. There's some very fact specifics in those unprecedented, unpublished cases um, that, that shouldn't be tried to be relied on because you can't re recreate it. You can't, um, it's just, it's not reliable because of the, the, the very much significant underlying facts. So when you look through and you see all these unpublished opinions for DSS cases, um, it, it is it is an alarming number of unpublished opinions, and I, I kind of wonder about that as an appellate attorney, um, why there are so many unpublished DSS opinions. Like a lot of the custody cases, they'll come out as published. Um, so I'm not so sure about that. I'll have to keep digging in. But in any event, I'm going to read you what Justice Lockamy says in this unpublished opinion from DSS versus Linda Verde, L-A-N-D-A-B-E-R-D-E. Um, it was unpublished opinion number 2020-UP-184. Um, this is what Justice Lockney says in his dissent. He said, here there was no evidence that mother and father ever lived together. 
No evidence child lived with father. No evidence child or any other child was harmed while in father's care. In fact, DSS was aware who child's father was when father first appeared at the merits hearing following child's removal from mother. Further, because child was removed at birth, there's no indication father had ever even met child until he appeared in this DSS case. So in this situation, it was not even apparent that the father had ever even met the child, yet DSS was seeking to terminate the father's rights uh, based upon the, uh, the TPR grounds and, and um, failure to remedy and uh, severity or abuse and neglect. And so um, that's what Justice Lightning was saying. Like, how are you going to come in and claim that the father did this when he didn't even have a relationship with the child? Um, he, uh, no evidence that the child was harmed in the father's care, and no evidence that the mother and father ever lived together, no evidence that the child ever lived with the father. So um, I think that we need to be considerate of that as we go forward and, um, and, and hold DSS feet to the fire. If there's a father who has not been involved in, in the children's in the children's lives, then we need to consider um, whether that father could have abused or neglected his child. It seems it seems rather um, rather clear that a father who's not been involved cannot abuse or neglect his child. He just um, hadn't, hadn't been there. But but I guess there is a, a, a circumstance here and there. It's very very hard to consider one day. Like like consider this where you have. Um, where there's a case where the children have previously been been in the custody of other parties besides the mom and the daddy by a court order, by a legal court order. And then those third party uh, custodians neglect the children. Well, can they then come back to the mom and the daddy and claim that you, mom and daddy, neglected the children because you don't have a place for them to live when we take them from these third parties? Um, that that just what duty did the mama and the daddy have when there was a legal court order given custody to somebody else so it's very um very circumstantial these cases are a lot of times you, you really have to look at the totality of the circumstances and uh the, the specific facts of that specific case and and dig in and see if it's a case where um, the father's actually been involved or hadn't been involved. And if it's a case where father is willing to be involved and is just now um, having that opportunity because DSS got involved, then, you know, maybe the father does want to do some treatment services or, or whatever might be the case. But but if father is just able to take the child, then um, there, there's no reason for father to not be able to take the child above DSS. Like, that's the whole purpose of relative placement is that fathers come um, First, father, fathers are supposed to be in line to get their to get their child, rather than the child being in the system. Um, so, I think that's my my education for today. Um, I, I know that a lot of times when um, when when DSS gets involved, sometimes the uh, the fathers and even the mothers just think, let me just agree with them and just get uh, just just put it all away and, and do what I'm supposed to do. Um, do this treatment plan, and I don't want to argue with them, and I don't need, no, I don't need an attorney. Um, that's, that's a real big decision for you to make without legal advice. So consider consulting, at least consulting an attorney on that before you make that big decision. 
And thank you for joining me today. It's very late this afternoon after a, a, a long, wonderful, very rewarding week. And I will encourage you to continue to educate yourself. Uh, Google Scholar has some wonderful stuff on there. If you'll just plug in DSS, you'll find all kinds of stuff in there. So, or whatever you're looking for. Uh, Scholar.google.com, I think that's what it is. So, until next time, uh, keep working on yourself, educate yourself, um, improving in every way that you can. Thank you. Have a good afternoon. Thank you for joining me.